Hello, everybody. It's Trish Carr, and I'm here with another episode of Be Real, Get Real, where we actually get to know the people behind the business. You know, they say that um, people do business with business, but we don't. We do business with people. So there's such an important part of business is that no like and trust factor. Who am I doing business with? Who is this person? What's behind them? Who are they internally other than their business? And we all have a story that we come from. And the more we share who we are, the more people connect to us and the more people want to do business with us. So it's my pleasure to be here today with Women's Prosperity Network's Be Real, Get Real podcast. And go ahead and get a cup of coffee or get a glass of water or anything else you want to put in your cup and sit down and enjoy us for, enjoy this for the next 15 minutes. And let me share with you the incredible woman that we're going to be meeting here today. Sonia Bailey is a life recovery coach who helps people get free of unhealthy attachments to behaviors or things so they can live their goals and their dreams. You know how we all have those things in our past, you know, the stuff we carry around in that baggage. And there's things that happen right now today that create decisions that create who we are as people. So Sonia works with people as a life recovery coach so that they can live their best life. She is also a skilled administrative manager and a quality assurance enthusiast. I don't know if I know anybody who's enthusiastic about quality assurance, so we'll <laughs> have to hear about that. But she applies every her recovery principles to her work with micro-business executives in communities of color. She's the founder and executive director of Fire Forged Recovery where this is the secondary thing she does, where she's working to help people find freedom from the effects of structural and other kinds of racism by using the healing power of the community's lived experience. And we're gonna get into that in more detail today. She's also the author of Healing Ourselves, the African-American Woman's Guide to Richer Living. We all want richer living, don't we? And her new book coming out in October this year, The Path to Recovery. So it is a pleasure, Sonia, to have you here with me today. Hi. Hi, Trish. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. And thank you so much for everything that you do. You know, you same you, to you. Well, thank you. But you <laughs> run a business and you work out in the community to really forge yeah. and make a difference. Uh, particularly for for black women and men, mm -hmm. right. and you work with executives. I know that on your website, the Grassroots Executive, that you provide an affordable business architecture mm -hmm. for entrepreneurs who are on a shoestring budget. Right. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. Well, thank you. I've learned a lot from uh, WPN over the over time. That's well, really helped um, me to develop and be able to I, do it. I love to hear that. And for any of you who want to know more about what Sonia does in business, you can go to grassrootsexecutive.com. But let's go ahead and delve into uh, Sonia's background. And you'll be, um, those of you who are with us, I know you're going to love this conversation because Sonia was saying that she really wanted to talk about finding her north. And I was like, all right, that sounds cool. 
So tell me, what do you mean by finding your north? Well, I think finding my north for me means all of the time that I've gone through life, especially early on, trying to find what did I want to do? And um, I have a mother who I love dearly, who's a migrant. She, uh, she and uh, the rest of my family migrated from Jamaica. So my mother, I think, had to, in her generation, there were um, a lot of limitations on what women could do, what women's roles were, and so forth. And uh, I always felt like, I want to I want to do this or I want to do that. And um, I got feedback sometimes, just not from only my mother, just from people about kind of what girls' roles were, were mostly to, to, they were more expected to have families kind of settle down into that life. And at some point I started off wanting to be an attorney, which everyone thought was weird. And then I wanted to be a lawyer, I mean, a, uh, a writer, and everybody thought that was even weirder. So I went through many years of struggling with myself just to accept that I wanted to do these things. And I didn't necessarily want to settle down into a traditional life, even though I ended up having three children. I have three children who are adults, uh, twins, and uh, then a, a younger person who's just by himself. So I ended up younger, doing that. How young is your youngest? <laughs> oh, 30. Oh, he's in his 30s. Yeah. And you maybe, had maybe twins? I have how twins, did yeah. you manage twins? Oh my gosh. That's just, that's a story in and of itself. That's a story. It? Yeah. <laughs> story, oh my yeah. gosh. How old I'm, were you when you had the twins? I was very young. I was like 21 or something like that. So, so the first time you have a kid, you have two of I them have twins. Time. Yeah. Yeah. So Holy cow. that, that's what I mean about finding my North. So there I am. I'm, you know, I'm married. I have these twins. I'm, I'm trying to live this life, but I still want to, uh, I still have the desire to do these other things, to to write. And I always had an interest in um, my my parents grew up or were adults in the time, in the era of the Panthers. And we were from New York. I was born in New the York. The Black so, Panthers, right? Yeah. We're talking about. <laughs> yeah, not the uh, the other Panthers. Not you know, the I like them as well. Zoo. Yeah, me too. <laughs> or the, the hockey Panthers, not them either. Oh, no, the Florida, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Florida Panthers. Um, but uh, so uh, there was a lot of pride and, and so forth. So I always took an interest kind of in business and I wondered about the disparities. I didn't understand them very well that I saw in black businesses that were trying to develop or, or survive. And um, the, the quality that I saw that I thought could improve, like how come these businesses don't look like other ones? And I think that those are my early, earliest attractions to trying to figure that out. And later on, I came to understand the issues of access and resources and stuff like that that people have that prevent them from engaging with um, quality assurance, you know? So I think yeah. that was my earliest uh, of, uh, interest in it. So anyway, where'd you over grow up? where'd you grow up, Sonia? I grew up in New York, St. Croix and Florida. Oh, so, all of those. So yeah. you went, your mom, your parents, both mm -hmm. your parents came from Jamaica together? My mom came from Jamaica. Mom? Yeah, my mom so, and her side of the family. So and they came and you went to New they she went to New York after that? Yeah, she met my father, but then they divorced and I had a stepdad. So I was raised by my mom and stepdad and he was much older. So he retired from New York Transit and then we went to live in St. Croix, where we used to go on vacation every year nice. for many years. So that was just another uh, formative experience in that in that I was immersed in a culture that was predominantly people that look like me in government right. and everywhere else. And mm -hmm. I got a, a stronger sense of, you know, empowerment or whatever. So uh, then coming back to live in the mainland U.S., because um, St. Croix is a territory of the U.S., uh, right. it was different. You know, people didn't have that same kind of confidence in 
uh, just being immersed in a larger in a larger uh, group of people that didn't look like me. So well, and you also yeah. came back to Florida, right? Then yeah, then there was Florida. Yeah. So yeah. there's a big difference. So I too. So I grew up in Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn. Yes. Yes, yes I grew yeah, up Brooklyn. in Brooklyn, Woo-hoo. which is very popular now. Brooklyn yeah. is like the place to live. Right. When I lived <laughs> there, I was like, "Oh, you're from Brooklyn." Yeah. <laughs> That's um, right. Yeah, yeah, but I grew up in in New York and. Um, then I too moved to Florida and there was a real cultural difference. Yeah. I mean, even for me as a white woman, there was a right. big cultural difference. So I can imagine New York. Okay. Right. St. Mm-hmm. Croix, all people of color with you. And yeah. then you come back to Florida and it's a lot of white people from Michigan right. and Ohio. And yeah. people yeah, saying, whole... don't go to Davie. They were like, don't go to Davie. You'll get lynched over there. That's where I live. <laughs> I live in Davie. <laughs> It's different now. It's different than Davy now. Yeah, but there's but, still horses and there's still people with their pickup trucks and big yeah. old American flags right. hanging and all those or, other flags. Or Confederate flags. That's what I was going to yeah. say. All those other yeah. flags. Right. So, yeah. No, I, I, can, I can only imagine what yeah. that was like for you. How old were you when you got to Florida? I was in my teens. I was close to finishing high school, maybe 16 or 17. Yeah, so, so yeah. big culture shock, man. Yeah. Bad enough you had in the middle of high school to a whole that's new right. culture. That's right. Yeah. Oh my so God. I ran away. I ran away to college. And then after college, I ran away to California. So, and that, that's what I mean about finding my North. That was a lot of that uh, process, trying to sort out all the, the data that I was taking in from these various yeah. places yeah. and, and hone out a personality or a, a life that worked for me and um, not taking in what, uh, anybody else's idea of who I needed to be or who I was supposed to be just based on my family or my skin or my anything else. So that took a, took a while. Um, well, but, and so. with all that travel, you got a lot of experiences under your belt. Yes. A lot and of experiences. You, you know, it's interesting. You said that um, you wanted to be a lawyer yeah. and people kind of laughed at you. What do you, right. what do you think? Who do you yeah. think you are? That's what I love that. <laughs> who do you think you are? I'm right. freaking Trish Carr. That's who I am. That's where yeah. I go. So, yeah. And then you talked about being a writer and you were saying to me that black girls don't write. Yeah, well, this is what um, I remember when I uh, was married. It was my mother-in-law's family. When I say, you know, I write. And they'd be like, we don't, we don't do that. When, when, does, when are you going to make dinner? Who's making dinner today? Kind of. So I had to really struggle through that and find... Um, uh, other people that could see that, you know, as a possibility that I could write. And then I went through the same thing again in terms of coaching. When coaching was new before it, it became what it is today, mm-hmm. when Thomas Leonard was alive and founded um, coaching and, you know, I got to experience some of that, some of that group and uh, the coaching that came along with that and uh, figuring out that I could do it, you know, and that I wanted to do it and make it available to other people like me who ordinarily would have had um exposure to it. So all of these, yeah, formative experiences over time, I feel like brought me to who I am today. And then I went to, I worked in recovery for a long time. Um, so I had a lot of addiction in my own family, uh, starting with my father who passed away of alcoholism, my biological father. And I had it in my marriage and I have, you know, I have it just all over my family. And so I went to work in that industry for a long time. And, um, found that there's so so many similarities and then from working in addiction realizing that recovery is a pervasive concept that 
there are a lot of things that people, it doesn't just apply to, to addiction, that people who have a fractured sense of self or a suppressed sense of self all need to have recovery. Trish, are you there? I am. Okay, I, I can see you. I, I couldn't I see am, you for I a sec. <laughs> okay. I was so, letting I was letting people listen to you and okay. get my face off the thank screen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Just, <laughs> but yeah, I realize that it's a pervasive concept, and that people uh, need to have recovery. They people need to have and deserve to have the space to find themselves too, and to be encouraged to be who they really are, and to live those dreams that they have inside of them. And I, I it comes a lot with. Um, the women that I work with, that they have been nurturing a dream for a long time and they aren't encouraged in their communities either or by their loved ones or by their families to pursue these dreams. They're told to be more practical and, you know, stay at work if they're working or stay in the family and not, and not uh, try to pursue these kind of ideas. So they uh, often, we work together and they find their confidence and they find the space uh, to express their ideas and their dreams. And then we work together to actualize those, like to put a plan together that helps them bring it to life and breathe life into it and walk past all of their fears. And, uh, and I'm a staunch, not advocate, but you know, I'm, well, I am, I'm really an advocate and I really believe in the people that I work with. And so I'm not only a big cheerleader, we work on practical concerns too, you know, and. Uh, people changing personal habits that get in the way of them fulfilling these dreams. Cause that a lot of it, I'm sure as you know, Trish, a lot of this having your own business or pursuing your own dreams has to do with personal discipline and having uh, some personal habits that sustain you through really dry and dark days when nobody believes in you and have to believe in yourself. So that's a lot of what uh, I end up working with the entrepreneurs on is the developing their executive persona is what I call it, coming to believe in themselves and see themselves as the master of their dream and that it, that it is possible and that they can do it. So yeah. I'm with you. We're both on the same page with that because I do remember when I, so I had a corporate job and I worked till I was 38 in that corporate job. Believe it or not, I had 16 years in that corporation when I was 38. Wow. I know. Right. So I ended up getting money and all that good stuff, pension yeah. and all that, but I, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I, when I left, everybody said to me, are you crazy? Why would you throw away a good job that you could retire from when you're 50 or whatever? And I'm like, it's not what I want to do. Well, what makes you think that's what people would say, what makes you think you can, yeah. you know, so I absolutely resonate with everything you're saying. And I think everybody who's with us and watching can relate to being told you're crazy. You want to yeah. do something. Nobody does that. Nobody get does a that. job, right? Get Go a get job. a job. Right. So yep. you and I are on the same page in terms of you've got to be surrounded by and connected to people who believe in you more than you believe in yourself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, right. that's actually, that's Women's Prosperity Network. That's why we do what we do. And that's why you do what you do is because mm -hmm. you want it to be something right. that other people said, oh, you can't do that. Right. So kudos and, to you, woman, that you're making that difference for people. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I remember really? somebody said it to me a long time ago. People are often happy to tell you what you can't do or what you can't have. They'll tell I you know. in a heartbeat. <laughs> 
I know. So, oh, you you're happy? You have a little balloon? Let me burst that balloon. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it's crazy. And yeah. the you know, so I do you work mostly with women, Sonia? Mostly with women, but I have um, men uh, clients as well. So, and I I, I really um, I think it could be that men don't have well men don't have women's prosperity network or kind right. of a thing like that. So I really feel for them that they really struggle uh, even more with their um, they have more pressures on them to be providers and protectors. So if they have mm -hmm. families, it becomes very difficult for them to pursue a dream. Uh, that where they can't see the the profit yet, or where they have to work their way up to profit. So, I think that they have the special needs even that are different than women, and they don't have as much permission to talk about feelings or to explore right. feelings. Yeah, yeah. I I often have so we always invite men to our workshops and to our networkings. We keep our masterminds uh, and our other programs to women only. But those men who do come, they go, we want a men's prosperity at work. <laughs> yeah, I'm see like, why. good, you, you go ahead and create it. I'll help you. But I'm not going to, I don't have the goods to be the men's prosperity network. Right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's really, I mean, I'm so glad that you found your space. And then the other thing that you do with fire forged recovery mm -hmm. you know that was born out of wanting to support people who wanted to get into businesses tell us a little bit about fire forged recovery yeah well that came from working on the, re the recovery side um the event uh, when i first uh, I, I figured i had the most experience working with recovery i had years of it and i had years of uh, running programs so i was and this is where the quality assurance part came in so but I felt really fragmented as a, a person, like I, because they're, they're pretty far apart in in some ways. Those those interests, um, and I kind of um, the recovery system didn't have a lot of success in many ways. There are some things that are good about it, but there were many things that didn't work. So I wanted to develop a new model that worked better for people. But I also, over time, I've uh, drifted trying to bring the parts of myself together, and this is how I came to whole person recovery instead of specifically around uh, addiction issues or other habits that are un unhealthy is to to whole person recovery. And that included, now I'm at, you know, whole community recovery, and that includes economic recovery and as well as personal recovery. And so that's kind of how Grassroots Executive got born, was out of working with Fireforge recovery around uh, recovery issues. So if that makes sense, if you can follow that leap. Yeah, I think a, you know. they all they work together hand in hand. Yeah, right. Yeah, it makes so, perfect sense. And then yeah. I know that you have put together a really amazing event that's coming up this August in South Florida. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about the yeah. Requiem? That's the Requiem for Slavery. And once again, with the theme being recovery and its community recovery. And it's for all of us with a focus on African-Americans recovering from the effects of intergenerational trauma from chattel slavery. So even though you get eye rolling and people think it's over, you know, it's just slavery's been over, <clears throat> but all you have to do is turn on the news or read a newspaper and you see that every day people are still impacted by the effects of, of skin color bias. So it's, I'm hoping that uh, the Requiem for Slavery on August 20th at 10 a.m., Bondi Mizell and Yola Johnson State Park in Dania Beach is a, uh, basically all of us getting up and turning our back on the bias that comes from chattel slavery, just collectively, like, listen, we're actually done with that whole thing. 
And I know I'm not real unrealistically thinking that that's the end of it. And therefore on August 21st, no one will have bias, but I do, I am asking for a shift <clears throat> in the way we all interact with bias. It's just a like formal saying no and putting, uh, putting these effects to death, like symbolically, uh, you know, having a cremation or a funeral for the uh, end of that era and um, for us to walk forward, identifying ourselves in a new way, not as these people who are oppressed by this issue. And I know that that is an ongoing work as a part of the uh, cultural wellness movement. So a movement away from just hearing more, another killing, another this, another that on the TV, taking that in and being re-traumatized and reacting on it that we're collectively saying no to all of it and we're done with it and we're now identifying ourselves in a in a new way and not tolerating any of that. Yeah, I, I love what you're up to with the Requiem for Slavery because there's a real value to ritual. And mm -hmm. that would be, you know, we go to funerals when people die, right? That's, That's right. a ritual. When you get married, people come together to celebrate you. When you go and you take on your religion, there's a some kind of ritual. This kind That's of right. ritual is we're putting this issue behind us. It's we're having a funeral, if you will. That's right. And That's we're right. moving forward. So if you go to the culturehasthecure.com, you can find out about the Requiem. And if you are in the South Florida area, I invite you to come. Please um, come. Yes. This is for all people. It's for white all people. people, black people, That's yellow right. people, green people, blue people, fat people, skinny people, all peoples. That's right. Everybody who wants to say no to bias, that we're really done, and then put a period at the end of that sentence. That's so, it. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited for everything you're up to. Sonia, you found your true north, baby. Yep. I do believe I have found it. Mm -hmm. I finally, and you're finally feel like everything lives, uh, works together. So. Yes, absolutely. Well, it was a pleasure uh, having this conversation. I hope all of you enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode of the Be Real, Get Real podcast. And before we go, Sonia, is there anything else you want to share that we didn't delve into? Anything else you want to leave our listeners with? I know I put you um, on the spot with that. I just, the culture has the cure. We really do for everything that ails us. We are, we're the cure. So all of us have a piece of it. Yes. So, and I beautiful. hope everyone shares it. Wonderful. Thank you all for being with us. Thank you for sharing. You see that little button down there that says share? Go ahead and click on that button. And while you're there, give me a comment. Let us know what you think of uh, this conversation. I'd love to hear from you as well. Sonia Bailey, grassroots executive. Have a fantastic day and a fantastic weekend. And to all of you watching, hope you too enjoy your day and have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Thank you again, Sonia. All right. Thank you, Trish.